In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're nearly there. Finally getting Browns back on track. And I'm with my the main man, Ian. Right, right, right. Jack, what's going on, buddy? I'm in the mobile office heading back from the not great state of Michigan. And somebody said, hey, man, let's talk some Browns Cardinals. And I said, you know what? I think it's time for the only unbeaten team in the NFL to finally meet their match and take their first loss of the season. A little yeah, bit of sign, time to come. I think I'm unique in Browns fans. Actually spent just as much time watching the Arizona-San Fran game last week as I was watching the Cleveland uh, Chargers game. So uh, I had all eyes on it. I'm going to claim it was because I was advanced scouting for the podcast. That is not true in any way. Did you have a minus five and a half reasons to do scouting on that game? I, I had a very enjoyable watching the uh, minus five and a half. And to be fair, the conclusion that I'd tell you guys, they're not great. They might turn it around this week, but they were not good, the Arizona Cardinals, last week. They should have comfortably beaten the Trey Lance-led um, 49ers. If it was Jimmy G, oh. I would not have been laying that amount of money on minus five and a half. But with Trey Lance, they were poor. And Kyler Murray had so many opportunities to take the game away and bottled the lot. Well, the odd part about San Francisco is, is just how many injuries. I mean, it seems like every year that team is riddled with injuries. I think a lot of people thought Arizona was just going to go in there and turn that offensive juggernaut on because, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. The 49ers still have some good defensive players, much like the Browns, but I think I was expecting a much higher of an output in terms of offense from the charger or from the, uh, the Cardinals. And it just didn't happen. So from watching that game, let's talk a little bit about the Arizona offense. Obviously everybody knows Kyler Murray, but outside of him and Deandre Hopkins, yeah so if we look at their offense obviously Hopkins as you said is the guy that should scare everyone um but interestingly where those targets have gone most is to AJ Green who is sort of wide receiver two wide receiver three um causing a lot of problems um you've had Christian Kirk this it really exploded this season. A guy that, hey, I was looking for a cheeky little trade market if we were going to move in Joku all off season. You'd have heard me chatting about that. And Rondell Moore has uh, had some snaps and broken out. They've got a lot of depth at wide receiver, and that's going to put Brown's position room that is really struggling because they're all on the injury report or on IR. Um, that That is going to be really, really tough for our uh, corners and safeties to deal with. Yeah, I find it odd, though. Arizona has only completed passes to four four different wide receivers on the season. You know, Max Williams, their number one tight end, he's out for the year. So now that brings back former Browns tight end Demetrius Harris into the fall. So outside of those four wide receivers, I mean, 
I don't think Chase Edmonds or James Conner scare you. So are they lining green up on the outside then and letting Kirk and Rondell Moore run in the slot or, you know, what, what primary package on offense do you think the Browns are going to be in dime to combat it? Like, what do we see here? Yeah, so if we look at um, snaps by position, A.J. Green has had 250 snaps out wide and only 21 in the slot. So um, he's certainly been used wider. Um, let's check in on Hopkins and see where he's been having a lot of his snaps. His snaps, um, predominantly 274 out wide versus 37 in the slot. So uh, those guys have definitely featured out wide more. Um, if we look at Christian Kirk next, I'm guessing this has got to be where the slot snaps are coming from. Yeah, 184 in the slot, 20 out wide. So um, if you're looking for the slot guy, that's Christian Kirk. Um, and if we check out Rondell Moore, just to complete the group of four, we're seeing 97 in the slot. He's had 15 in the backfield. Um and 20 out wide. So you could see some funky stuff coming with Rondell Moore. Um, but that's one to keep an eye on. That's Christian Kirk in the slot, who is, he, he, he's been doing some damage. Yeah, and Rondell Moore, they, they did a lot of that. Jeff Brown did a lot of that with him in college over there at Purdue. He was a guy I liked coming out. So it's not surprising that they're using him in that Swiss Army knife type of role. But, you know, obviously we ask about where these guys are lining up because the Browns secondary – I mean, let's be honest, it seems like the staple last year of Terrence, you know, Money Mitchell has now become the staple that is Greedy Williams because it seems like every time I turn on the TV, there's a different cornerback lined up out wide for the Browns. So, you know, in terms of the injury report, what have we really seen from the Browns in terms of their secondary? You know, because obviously MJ Stewart going on IR means that that kind of backup slot safety, uh, really that role falls to Grant Delput, who's coming off his worst game of the season. Yeah, so if we just start with the corners first, we have one dude that is not on the injury report, and that is Troy Hill. Um, we have Greedy Williams, shoulder slash knee, limited, limited. Denzel Ward, neck, limited, limited. Greg Newsom, calf, limited, limited. AJ Green, shoulder slash knee, limited, limited. It is a disaster. It's one where yeah, there's no safeties on the injury report, so there's some health there, which is more positive. But a corner... There it could be massive, massive issues. And what we've seen is there's three. And hey, if they're not happy with Demetrius Harris, there's a good chance they'll just go four wide receivers. I, I that could be a massive problem for the Browns if they go um, four wide receivers regularly through the game. We just do not have the corners to deal with that. Greedy Williams, hey absolute balling i think he's top rated or second highest rated corners um for pff this year so um looking really really good but it's uh not ideal position to be in you want as many corners as possible when you're playing a team like this yeah i think the brown secondary room can be sponsored by the cleveland clinic at this point but you know i did see that joe woods came out today and said that john johnson will be wearing the dot uh the green dot so Hopefully this is an attempt to get some of those communication issues in the back end figured out. You know, I, I know I, I, I give Denzel Ward a little bit of slack uh, this week on the, uh, on the old Twitter machine, but you know, I just, it's tough knowing that your, your top corner is likely, you know, 33% of the time, probably not going to be out there. And against the chargers, you need a guy like Denzel Ward in there. And it showed in the second half, you know, does, 
do the do the officials throw the flag if that's Denzel Ward in coverage as opposed to AJ Green and not the wide receiver? You know, these are the type of things you sometimes have to worry about. But if the Browns are thin out there and the Cardinals decide that they're going to go to mainly three and four wide sets, a I think that's going to be very difficult because Jack, I'm not a math guy, but if I have four wide receivers and I have five offensive linemen and a quarterback, that leaves me how many guys left? A running back. A running back. So that means I have Miles Garrett, I've got Jadavian Clowney, and I've got one running back. So Arizona may say, you know what? Why don't we leave this fourth guy off here? Because we're going to have to put Demetrius Harrison here simply as a placeholder. And I think that now becomes a benefit because now we have a guy out there whose main job is to not catch passes on offense. It's mainly in there to just keep the quarterback from getting his head taken off. So in the sense of with Arizona, hopefully they don't make the same mistake that Matt Nagy and the Bears did and decide that five-man protection schemes are what it's going to be. Because otherwise, Mr. Garrett may be adding a little tombstone to his front yard with the real body of Kyler Murray. Yeah, and if, if we look at corners, I touched on Greedy Williams is number two. It was actually a free agent that, hey, I, I was banging the drum and saying get him over. Casey Hayward on two and a half million um, is cornerback one, according to PFF, with a 89 coverage grade. So he is ripping it up. Um, could have been Brown. We should have had I was him. shocked that he's, he's become a free agent. He's been a good corner. I know he's getting up there in years, but this is not a Casey Hayward uh, Browns podcast, so... With the Browns secondary, I definitely think they're probably going to go back to a little bit more of the zone concepts. Um, you know, Kyler obviously likes to move around. So I think them playing man will probably be few and far between only because I don't know if I would necessarily want all my corners turning their backs to the quarterback. Cause in that case, you might see all of a sudden we get a little undisciplined in our rush lanes. JOK might be used in that spy thing, hoping he recovered from his throat contusion. But yeah, I would be, I'll be interested to see what Joe Woods throws at him. He's obviously very familiar with this Arizona team, being that he was in San Francisco for all those years. So I just, I, I have the, the makings that the Browns defense is going to bounce back from a, you know, we'll, we'll call it a 41 point performance. I'm not exactly going to kill him for that last six, you know, doing us a favor and carrying Austin Eckler in the end zone. But, you know, I think, I think the Browns defense is poised for a, a little bit of a, let's get back on track. Let's see that defense that took care of the NFC North, you know, the, the Vikings and the Bears. Yeah, and if we're looking at their O-line, um, if we're going to go and make plays, that's got to be coming against their uh, right tackle. Um, Kelvin Beecham um, has probably struggled a bit m- more recently for them. Um, the last game, he wasn't particularly great. Um, they've, they've had some okay play. Does Kyler Murray help? Probably. Um, his mobility forces your um, edge players and defensive line just to have a look around. If we look back at last game, Josh Jones, right guard, is probably where the most weakness is. Um, whereas their left side th- through to center has been really good with DJ Humphreys and Justin Pugh. So um, I would say I'd like to see some wins on the interior, but that's not where our strength is. Um, unless they're going to put some tech out wide and Clowney's back, and then we force one of the, the big two on the interior. Yeah, I definitely think you're going to see more of that. You know, I heard a great analogy when they were talking about how Tack McKinley plays. He's, he's the Kareem Hunt of the defense. You know, every play is just recklessly and all out. But 
you know, imagine being DJ Humphreys and saying, hey, this week or last week you got Nick Bosa and this week you got Miles Garrett. So hopefully there's maybe a little bit of fatigue, you know, in that DJ Humphreys, who's not been a you know terribly bad left tackle for them. Let's hope that Miles can maybe get some single coverage on him. Maybe he'll get a penalty or two. It's unlikely, as you know, we've seen. But it would be nice if the Browns could cause a little bit of ruckus with four up front, you know, whether it's using Clowney inside or, you know, in all fairness, I think after that first week, the Maliks in the middle um, have done a pretty good job at collapsing that pocket. And against Kyler Murray, that's very important to stay in those rush lanes. So I'd like to see the Browns defensive line in the middle get some push up front. And that will allow our boys on the edge to get moving. And even if that means putting Clowney inside, you know, he's a pretty good run defender. So probably something you'll see. You'll probably want more speed on the field to chase that mobile. So, yeah, in terms of the, we'll probably drop seven rush four category. It's just slightly there. Um, so if we jump to the offensive side of the ball, the first thing I want to touch on is a piece by at Frisco Josh, which is Josh Hermsmeyer, who writes for... Um, is it 385, 385, um, 538. Um, does AARs, loads of stuff, but he does a stat looking at where a quarterback grades best in completed passes and where a D allows the completed passes. And number one this week is Baker Mayfield. Um, and that is because wherever Baker Mayfield throws the ball to succeed is basically where the Arizona Cardinals defense allows the quarterback to thrive, complete the most passes. That's really, really positive because Baker's got a skill set. And if they're going to allow Baker to thrive where his skill set's strongest, happy, happy days. So that's one to certainly keep in mind. Their defense has struggled in coverage. You've got Robert Olford's played well, and Buda Baker is a really good player. But other than that, their DBs haven't really done the job. Um, Zayvon Collins has played well at linebacker, and JJ Watt is still a beast. Um, who would have thought it? Uh, so that's sort of where the strength of their team is. Um, but it's one where we need to just go out and punish them. Um, keep the foot on the gas and just keep going. We don't know the status of Chandler Jones yet, who went on the COVID list. Has he been vaccinated? Hopefully not because then we don't have to see him. Jack, you're going to get so much for that. Of course, we want everybody to be vaccinated. What are you talking about? But no, <laughs> back to a serious note. I think the Browns, you know, a lot of times we talk about Browns using the pass to set up the run. And this could be one where the Browns are going to come out in more of a, maybe a West Coast style, some short, quick passes. Because remember, if Chandler Jones plays, that's a pretty big if, you know, because he's obviously one of the premier pass rushers in the league and you have JJ Watt, who's still, he may not be what he once was. He's still pretty good. So look for the Browns to use some short, quick passes and then complementing the run game. This will help try to tire those guys out. Let's be honest. JJ Watt is no spring chicken. You're going to have to get his reps up. Let's maybe play with a little up-tempo on offense. You know, I wouldn't mind to see a little bit of hurry up here and there. I think that'll help sell some of the play action. If the defense is in the middle of adjusting and all of a sudden they think, you know, whether Nick Chubb's calf heals up or not. I think, you know, the Browns running game can still be effective. But ultimately, I think the Browns need to kind of mix it up a little bit on offense. Ultimately, we need to make sure that the ends, you know, obviously our tackle positions are able to hold up because like you said, the strength of that Arizona defensive line is in those uh, pass rushers, Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. So I think the Browns need to go a little up-tempo, a little run game, 
beat those guys down. So come second half, Baker will be able to light it up from that intermediate zone. Let's see a little bit more of Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I just, I'm not one to read tea leaves. I have a funny feeling Mr. Beckham may be getting in the end zone sometime on Sundays. Just, just a thought, just a thought. Yeah, and if we look at um, JJ Watt and where he's been playing, he's PFF's breakdown. He's played 257 snaps at, on D-line. 91 has been at left end. 78 has been at left tackle, uh, um, defensive left tackle, so on the interior. Um, so he, he's moved around a little bit. So that's one to keep an eye on. He will play quite a few snaps inside. Um, so it's... If they think they can get a better matchup, they'll probably move him there. So uh, certainly one to keep an eye on. And that has been pretty I don't think steady better, each week. I don't think the better matchup is going to be putting him against one of the top guards in the entire league in Joel Petonio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been the one staple on that offensive line. And, you know, if you look at any of the Browns' effective plays on offense, chances are number 75 is doing something to really make sure that that play triggers. Because, you know, I, I know – it's been talked about a lot. We'll talk a little bit about it. That's the Browns' offense. It's obviously been under the microscope this week. Last 42 points, no turnovers, and they had 500 plus yards of total offense. Yet everybody's cleaning off. Is this a good offense? Yes. Is this an above average offense? Yes. Is this one of the better offenses in the league? Yes. Is Baker Mayfield an elite quarterback? No, we all know that. So it's been kind of funny because people have realized, I know, people have realized that when you put Baker Mayfield's name on anything, people talk about it. And the same 10 to 12 people, and I kind of joked with this with our guy, Jack McCurry, that, you know, the same 10 or 12 trolls get on the internet and say, Baker sucks. We need to, you know, do all this stuff. And then there's this other guy, this Duffin guy that wants to trade him for Russ Wilson. Jack, yeah. what a loser he is. But no, is is. Baker capable of playing like a top 10 quarterback in the league? Yes, he is. And he's in the offense that suits his skill set. So, yeah, the offense meets the defense. And I think it's one of those weeks where eh, we're set up for some success. Baker's been taking notes on social media. This is a guy, he's got some receipts in the bag. Don't be surprised if uh, Baker gives you a little bit of the old Kirk Cousins. How you like? How you like that, Arizona? I think Baker's going to have himself a game on the social medias. Yeah, and it's it's one where I think the debate comes down with Baker, and I think the people have really hit it on the head. And it's a really fine line. You're talking about him like Kirk Cousins, like um, Philip Rivers. I think is a good example of someone that can have a good career, but isn't going to be one of them guys where everyone's like, "I wish that was my." quarterback if they're there from another team they're not going oh, that's Patrick Mahomes that's Russ Wilson that's Drew Brees that's Tom Brady um I think you're looking at him he's going to be an above average is he going to be enough and there's no wrong argument of saying hey he's going to be a Kirk Cousins or a Philip Rivers do I want more is that enough neither side's wrong but that is the debate, and it's where people are like, no, I'd have him over any quarterback. And you're like, oh, sorry, what? They're the people well, that wind me up. The, the debate really comes down to is we all know that you can win football games with the rookie contract Baker Mayfield. 
So that kind of says, is Baker's skill set good enough to win games in the NFL? Yes. The big caveat, and I think this is the part that gets lost in the conversation, is we you you specifically, so I won't even jump in and take any bit of credit for this, but you talk about it all the time, the opportunity cost involved with a quarterback. And when you have a quarterback making 20% or whatever the cap number is in terms of his pay versus the team, you have to take out certain pieces. So all of a sudden, Kareem Hunt, he gone. All of a sudden, Jadavian Clowney, he gone. All of a sudden, you know, there's pieces like Wyatt Teller. You know, all of a sudden, if you took out Wyatt Teller, Kareem Hunt, and Jadavian Clowney, are the Browns still good enough to win? Because at the end of the day, your quarterback has to transcend the weaknesses on your team. Hence why the Patriots, for all those years, ran out guys like, you know, Gunnar Olszewski and Troy Brown and David Patton. They had all these receivers you never heard about. They'd go to New England and Baker would elevate their game. That's the question. Is Baker good enough to win when you take $30 million off of the salary cap? This yeah. is, that's not a personal shot at Baker. And that's, I think, where it gets confused. Yeah, and the point is where people are like, oh, but if he takes $5 million less than the market, and it's like, it doesn't really matter because the difference between $35 million and $45 million isn't actually crazy because you're talking about, hey, you're talking about one good player. The, the, the difference of the discussion is Baker's on $8.2, $8.3 million average for the first four years of his deal and he's going to move to 35 to 40 to 45 whatever that number might be i think 40 is where you're looking at because of the dac market but that jump there's massive whether that's 40 42 and a half 37 36 45 who really it doesn't matter too much which side of 40 it is if he takes 4 or 5 million less oh well that's the difference of having troy hill and not having troy hill doesn't change anything. The difference of having Baker on 8 million and Baker on 40 million, well, that is the difference. And where people try and look at it in the small picture of, well, if you got him slightly cheaper, what's enough? And it's like, it's not really ever going to be enough. It's not like he's going to be on 20 million. If he's on 20 million, hey, we're happy. We we can work this on 20 million because, yeah, it's a jump up from eight, but it's not crazy. 35 million which would be a massive discount for baker versus 8 million is still an insane jump you're talking what 27 million is a jump and that's you're basically baker takes about, a massive discount you're talking about baker's current contract plus miles garrett yeah that you're you're taking on a second miles garrett so when you talk about like yeah troy hill no 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 to move up that much you're taking out miles garrett's contract that much money. Yeah. Let, let's t- take Miles Garrett off the team and see if the Browns are just as good. That's the question. That and, and, you know, remember the Patriots would do it too. They had Chandler Jones. They had these guys. They would trade them off early because you're constantly in a state of cap management. And listen, I'm very happy to hear that you'll be remaining a fan now that uh, Paul DePodesta has turned down his baseball GM role job. That's their job. And, you know, next year we talk about qualifying or, you know, Offers for punters and all that other stuff, which, by the way, so much punter slander out there. It's just been hurting my heart. You know, you're going to see that they're going to take $800,000 contracts. You're going to find the Malcolm Smiths. You're going to find these guys that are on rookie deals or on vet minimum deals because that's what's going to take the win. 
Now it's, it's going to be fascinating over the next two years to really see the roster change because people were shocked when Sheldon Richardson got, got the boot, which, hey, I, I'd been alluding to could happen. I wasn't saying it was guaranteed, but I was saying he, he's probably not going to play this season on whatever his deal was. I thought his deal was going to change, and uh, it didn't just change. He, he got sent out the door. Um, but that is the start and the very ceiling of what the change is going to be. We're going to see some lots and lots of good players sent out the door, whether that's in a trade, whether that's in a free agency to get a comp pick. And that is going to be fascinating. Whether you keep Baker or not, this isn't a Baker decision. They, they need to cut money down, whether if we got rid of Baker and brought in another rookie, we still need to cut dudes down because you paid Miles. You're going to probably pay Ward. You're probably going to pay some other dudes. That money, you pay Chubb. You've got to take that money out of other players. So um, it's going to be fascinating. I cannot wait to see the work that's going to get done, but uh, we're not going to focus too much on that. But yeah. you just but, hope the guys that like you had in the pipeline before that go out, you know, obviously Jamie Collins is kind of an example going back to New England. You know, you see a guy like Joe Schobert go down and sign a big deal in Jacksonville, bounce around, doesn't really find a fit. He gets through this contract. He maybe calls up Andrew Barry and says, hey, I'd love to come back on a pretty good deal. So you're getting a good player. You're not getting, you know, an elite linebacker, but you're getting a good guy that can fill a role at a decent price. You know, those are the type of things you want to start building pipelines. And that's why it's so important for teams and GMs to just keep that reputation on the league. Make sure you treat players right. Make sure you're not, you know, doing things. I mean, we obviously have seen in the news recently what can happen to an organization when coaches and GMs and stuff like that go a little rogue in terms of what their beliefs are. So I don't think there's a person out there that wouldn't want to play for Kevin Stefanski, wouldn't want to play for Andrew Barry. And that those are the type of things that help you in terms of having a $40 million quarterback. Yeah, no, and um, it was Barry's first offseason and he was rated as, I think, number two by agents for people they want to work with. So um, that's massive. And why people might be like, who cares about agents? Well, they're the dudes that are deciding where players end up. Players do have an opinion in it, but play, uh, agents will have a massive role there. So it's really, really important. And another one, looks like we might have some picks coming. There was a lot of polling on most analytically driven teams. Browns came out absolutely ahead of everyone. And um, there was a question asked, who's going to be the first analytics person ever hired to become a GM? And the guy that we nicked from the San Francisco 49ers a year ago and interviewed the Panthers. Um, he came out eight out of the miles ahead of everyone. If he leaves next year, then we would get two third round picks. So uh, could be an absolute beauty on the cards. There you go. Yeah. Good old Plessy. So yep. the Browns have hired some smart people. The Haslam's have honestly done a great job in transforming this organization in terms of the perceptions in the league. And it just takes good guys at the top and it takes the team that now is winning. So, you know, Jack, what are your, what are your score predictions for this, uh, for this weekend? What do you, what are the Vegas line? What are the over under and what's the, uh, the, the Duffin, the Duffin delight? Well, the key thing is I am at the girlfriend's sister's wedding, which has no phone signal and no Wi-Fi. So I will not even be able to watch the game, which is disgusting. What is this, what is this 1863? Disgusting. And then I'm going to go on holiday and I'm traveling through the night on a Wednesday night. I, I'm absolutely screwed this up. But traveling through the night on a Wednesday night on a train, I should have booked it for the Thursday. And then I could have traveled through the night and watched the game 
I probably had no phone signal on the train, but we'll just go for the bookie line. The bookie line has the Browns as favorites, three point favorites, which are great. Really happy with that. Just going to look at the betting line for the over unders. We're looking at 22 for Cardinals, 26. 26, yeah, 26 for the Browns. So if we said 21, 26, um, the spread is at three, the over unders of 49 and a half. I think I'm going to go. 26, 23. Um, I'm going to go Browns 30, Arizona Cardinals. 21. Boom. You know, I wrote down a prediction, and it's close. Browns 31. Cardinals 20. Woo! You're feeling good. 31, 31, 20. I think the Browns, they got a lot to prove. And isn't there some stat about Kevin Stefanski's record after a loss? I believe it's I believe it's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. So. Hasn't lost back-to-back games yet. Uh, regular season games, because... It's not lost back-to-back playoff games because you can't. <laughs> well, because he, he lost back-to-back games because obviously he lost Kansas KC City, back-to-back. You're talking about Kansas City, Kansas City. Yes. Yeah. In the same season. Yes. I Yes. I uh, I was hinting at the fact that I don't believe he's lost consecutive games within the same season. So I think that streak continues. And I think it's going to be a close game. I'm not saying – I think it's one of those ones where the Browns are up 24-20, you know, and then they get the ball and then they score a late touchdown and kind of put it away. But I think it will be a close game for the most part. But I ultimately do think the Browns pull ahead and win by close to double digits. Sounds good to me. But, uh, no, love you guys. I'm going to be back in for the Steelers pregame. So you won't hear from me on the next three podcasts. God knows what these two are going to claim I'm up to. I'm on holiday, loving life in Italy. So uh, I don't even know what the uh, goodbye so, is so, in Italian yeah, is. Well, Love it a pizza. Ciao, ciao. 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 But the, I will say this. You may just get me because Paul's MIA half the time. Paul was supposed to be on the podcast. He's like, ah, we don't hear from him. So you could just be getting me. Who knows? To be fair, he reminded us to podcast. So... <laughs> Well, I knew about it. I just was like, hey, what are we doing here? And then he disappears into the night. So So. if you've seen Paul in London, just uh, report him missing to one of us two. He's been hanging out with Stu quite a bit. A lot of Steelers fan influence for him. Crazy scenes. But uh, no, as always, go Browns. Go Browns.